Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Welcome to season two of Welfare, the weekly running podcast with me, Amy Lane. Whether you're just starting out or out to PB, what you need to help you on your training journey, you'll find right here. From tracking your runs to syncing your miles with your menstrual cycle, my expert guests have you covered. Each week, you'll get the news you can use, expert interviews, and a well-chilled guided cool-down session so you can finish every run strong. By subscribing to this podcast, you've already taken the first step. So now let's take the next one too. Let go of the beliefs that you can't do it and let's learn how you can. For everyone that joined us on episode one, welcome back. And for the guys which are just tuning now on episode two, hello. If you listened to Welfare last season and you're listening now, you'll notice that we've made a few changes to the show. We listened to what you guys had to say and have added in some new sections. One of them is this one. In this week's news you can use, let's talk about the Apple Watch 5. It's now on sale and it's got a handy new feature, which is the always on screen. I'm actually really digging it as it no longer means that I have to use my nose to wake up the screen or doing a plank in the gym. Although the bad news is that I can now watch every single second of that 60 second plank countdown. Hey ho, you win some, you lose some. But winning some is a nice segue into this week's shout out. It goes to Lauren Stapleton, who got a PB. She says, it hurt. I wanted to cry, but the crowds kept me smiling all the way around. Now time for Prosecco. Well done, Lauren. Keep chasing those PBs. Now it's time to get on with the real meat of today's show. First of all, I talk running tech on whether it's actually worth your hard-earned cash with fitness tech journalist Kieran Alger. He's rarely without a watch or three, so has great advice on which one to buy and how to prolong its battery life. Then for this week's well-chill cool-down, you've got the soothing sounds of Chris McGee. He's my go-to for when my body and mind can't take any more. Welcome, Kieran. Hi, thanks for having me on. I haven't done a very good intro there. I've just basically said your name. (laughs) (laughs) So can you give the Welfare listeners a bit of an intro into you and your kind of running CV? Into my background. Well, I I started running about 10 years ago. I used to be a footballer and running was the bit of football training that I absolutely hated. Um, About 10 years ago, I did a 10K, caught the bug. And since then, I've run around 42 marathons. I've done a few ultras. And basically, my job also now involves me testing running technology. So I've combined my passion with my hobby and I've become a a proper running geek. Yeah, I mean, I can vouch for your running geekness because when we were recently on a running trip together, I looked over and you had three watches on. So today you've just got two running watches. (laughs) How much running tech do you test? I'm I'm always testing. So, you know, in any given month, I could be wearing, you know, I'll, I'll test three or four watches. I might have a foot pod on, a chest strap. I might be in the evening using some other tech for recovery. It's pretty much constant. And if I could sort of grow another arm, it would be particularly useful. Um, so hence why the other day I was wearing three watches, 
you're not really supposed to. But yeah, I'm I'm always kind of inundated because I've got I, I go through all of the the latest gear that comes out. Remind me never to be in an airport queue with you as you try and like take off <laughs> all of this tech to fit through the scanners. I do get some funny looks, and I forget when I'm on the tube or on the train, people look at me funny. I think that what you know why are they looking at me? And then I look down, I realise and remember that I'm actually wearing six watches up my arms, and this is not a normal thing to do. But yeah, you know, I have to do it. I do it so that I can come on and tell people about it. So you obviously write a lot about running tech and it's become really big business in the past few years. It's it's huge. And I think, you know, you don't have to stand on any start line of any race and hear the beeps going off as people start their watches or, you know, you've got people wearing chest straps and technology has kind of permeated running um, throughout in the clothes, in the in the shoes, in the devices that we wear, in the apps that you, we, we track it with. It's everywhere. But yet us runners or us new runners yep. still don't know so much about it. For instance, when I was um, looking at Google searches recently, there was like 27,000 a month for a fitness tracker and a lot of people searching for how to use them and what are they. Yeah. So first of all, can we clear up the difference between what is a fitness tracker, a running watch and a fitness watch? Yeah, I mean, this is this is something that I think actually the, the all the big brands, Fitbit, Garmin, Polar, Apple, there is some confusion because they've they've broadened their range and Garmin will do everything from a fitness band through to a fitness watch and then up to a running specific watch. And then even now Garmin just launched a smartwatch. So they kind of break down into those categories and fitness trackers tend to focus around kind of general activity tracking. So your steps, your general movement, if you move regularly every hour, your sleep, those kind of things. Um, Some of them will have GPS or they might use a motion sensor to track a run when you do the run. But primarily they're, they're based around the kind of get me moving more. If you step up, you then get fitness watches. Now these tend to, they might have larger screens so you can see more information and they might just start to track more kind of multi-sports. So you might get swimming, you might be able to track a, a workout in the gym and you can just sort of see more data. They'll often come with a heart rate sensor built in and, and a GPS tracker built in rather than using an accelerometer, a motion sensor. Step up from that and you get running watches and then you get into the kind of real sort of specifics where you get a lot more features that are geared towards running, you know, things like running form metrics like cadence, you know, your, mm. your foot strike rate, um, heart rate training, all of these things that are very, very focused on on running. And then the, I guess the, the fourth bracket is smart watches. So <laughs> you put the Apple Watch into that or you might put the, the Fitbit Versa 2 or some of the, uh, the Samsung Galaxy watches. And these are really, you know, they're like a bit like a replacement for your phone, but they will also let you track runs. So they do a lot more of the other smart things like letting you pay for things or get your notifications from your smartphone, read snippets of emails and all the other stuff that is a little bit more about daily life, but they also track runs. So it's it's about when you're when you're deciding where to where to spend your money, I think it's important to think about where on that line you kind of sit and what's important to you. If you're if you're a beginner runner, you, you may well just be better off initially starting out using a smartphone app. A lot of the apps will track just as much data as the watches. Right. They're free. You can you can pair them with a set of headphones and get information over the years in real time. So you can see, you know, or you can hear, you know, what's happening to you mid-run. But it's a good way to kind of dip your toe in the water and see before you spend, you know, Hundred pound up to nine hundred pound, which is what the range is for these things. Yeah, because they get pricey, don't they? At the top end, it's now getting yeah, it's getting. I think the, the latest Garmin top end Garmin is about nine hundred pounds. It's a lot of money to invest if you're just starting out running. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that also means at any one time your arms could be worth about three grand. <laughs> 
So one of the things that you've just mentioned is about figuring out what you want to do before you actually go into a shop or go onto a website and start actually tapping that Monzo card. Yeah. Is there kind of a checklist that you would say that new runners should go through when looking at fitness tech? Yeah, absolutely. And I there's, there's, there's a huge feature set on all of these watches and it can be really confusing. But I think the first thing, if you can sit down and say, actually, this is how much money I've got to spend, it immediately makes things more simple. Yeah. And they fall into sort of a few brackets. So you get the the cheaper watches or, or fitness trackers, and then you'll get mid-range watches that are about sort of between 200 and 300 pounds. And that's probably where most people will find themselves. And things then beyond that you can look at, it's sort of goals and aspirations. So where do you see yourself in your kind of running journey? Are you just starting out, you're going to try and do a 5K, see if you like it. If that's the case, you know, there's no point spending 200, 300 pounds, use an app, see how you get on. If, if you think that you're going to grow into your running and that you one day might like to run a half marathon or you're going to get a bit more serious about your training, then I, my recommendation is to look at for a watch that has features that you can grow into and spend a little bit more and there'll be features initially that you won't need to use, yeah. but eventually those things will become useful for you and you've got a watch that will last you a bit longer. Beyond that, I think one of the most important things is comfort. You know? And actually it's, it's it's often overlooked if we can get caught up with what the technology does, but you've got to wear, it, wear this all the time. You've got to wear it whilst you're running. You're probably going to want to wear it 24-7. Wrist size, not all watches are built for... Actually, a lot of watches, this is the weirdest thing, favour the, the large wristage. <laughs> <laughs> they do. And that's so true because I've been wearing an Apple Watch since they came out. And um, actually, it was only about 18 months ago when they changed the straps and they brought out the new sports straps yeah. that I'd realised how much it didn't particularly fit my wrist well before because obviously you had to use the set holes on the strap but now suddenly there was that velcro strap and i could have a custom fit i was like wow this is game changing exactly and then there's you know even the screen size and the watch face you know if you look at a lot of the watches i'm wearing today i've got one of the i've got a garmin 4 runner 945 and the screen is quite big yeah and so if you've got a smaller wrist it's going to hang over the edges it can feel uncomfortable a lot of the high-end adventure watches that are rugged are actually built this way they're they're big and they're a bit bulky and it doesn't suit everyone so Mm. it's really important to to factor that in next i think you know most watches now come with gps and heart rate built in as standard so you get a heart rate sensor on the back of the watch gps so that you can accurately track your pace and your distance back to what you should look for battery life is a a major thing you know you you'll get everything from eight hours battery life up to 40 hours so How long do you want it to last? Does it is it important? The Apple Watch will probably last a day before you have to charge it. Yeah. The you know something like a a, a more adventure proof Garmin or a Polar will go for forty hours. Is that because they're built for people that might be running like an ultra or something called like an Ironman, and it's like actually you're going to need it to perform longer than exactly. An you hour could run. you could be out there for for you know more than more than a day if you're doing some of those ultras. But also that's really nice if you don't want to have to charge your watch in the week. Yeah, you know, so you, in an ideal world, you're looking for something that I when when I'm testing, I'm trying to find a watch that will give me about a week's worth of training, with a couple of hour long runs and a long run Sunday and a bit, bits and pieces with one charge. Right, okay. that's really great. You know, is that because you just don't want to have to think about doing another thing? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah you just because you you know you don't want to. The last thing you want to do is get to go for a run and then look down at your watch and it's got no battery. That happens to me all the time. Which, which happened to me just the <laughs> other day as well. Luckily, I've got two. <laughs> So it's, you know, back up. Beyond that, you know, something you can do, it depends if you're, if you're really going to get into the nitty gritty of the data. So 
you know, some people will buy a watch and they'll just want to run with it. Let let them see the pace whilst they're running and the heart rate perhaps and then leave it at that. Some other people will want to dig more into the data after their run, review their performance, compare it to past performances, track their progression, all of those kind of things. And if you're going to do that, you're going to have to get involved with the app. All of these pair with the smartphone app. And it's a good opportunity before you, again, spend quite a lot of money. 200, 300 pounds is not insignificant. You can download the app, have a look at it, see if you like it. Because mm. they are they do divide opinion. Some people love the Garmin app. Some people hate it. Some people love the Polar app. Some people hate it. So I'd recommend downloading, having a look. Because um, I realised that thing recently of actually not all of the fit, uh, running watches, fitness watches, automatically sync to the apps. Yeah. So some of them you have to load up the app yeah. and then resync. And it doesn't take that long a time, but it is another thing. Yeah. And if you, <laughs> it's fascinating because the details are really important, you know, yeah. particularly when you're starting to use this day in, day out. And it's little things like that that over time start to, to frustrate you because i'm right? impatient right yeah, you want it there you want it there it's like why is it why do i have to press four buttons to get my data into the app on this one and not another one i'm the type it's of true. person that stands over the toaster being like <laughs> why aren't you cooked and then <laughs> and then we'll like press it to pop up the toast knowing that it's not tasted <laughs> enough and then have to put it back down again so i do like to have an app that when you open it up your data's there yeah. and then burn the toast of course because <laughs> you've, yeah, yeah, you've yeah exactly and then have to start all over again yeah you just if, if you can have it so it's one less thing to worry about it's brilliant you know and so that's the thing you know check it check those check that out download yeah. it it doesn't cost you anything and you're then not going to be locked into something that you don't like using screen quality is quite important so thinking about how these things look in all kinds of light so you can read them mm. some people love touch screens i, I can't I don't really get along with them when I'm running. Why is that? The minute, the minute you get a bit of sweat on it, which uh, happens with me quite yeah. a lot. <laughs> I'm quite, it's my way of saying I'm a really sweaty person. But yeah, it doesn't. it's quite hard to control. And I think they can tend to bump and change the settings and do all kinds of things whilst yeah. you're running if you're not watching or you don't put the screen lock on. So I just prefer to use buttons. I think it's easier. Because there's the other thing about rain as well, isn't there? I was running a half marathon a couple of years ago before the screen lock came out on the yeah. Apple Watch. And water had got on the screen and it had stopped tracking. Which is the the most frustrating thing oh, ever. It's so destroying. Yeah. And like obviously I look I was looking at the mile markers, like there was you know, there was those actual physical markers which I could use rather than just look at my watch. But suddenly because that had been taken away from me mid race, it was like, Oh my god, world has ended. It's <laughs> and I think, you know, we were gonna talk about this. It's that with the tech it's really important not to get too hung up on it and rely on it too much because mm. it could be that rain it could be the battery suddenly dies for for no reason the things do go wrong with them and if you're so reliant on it that it throws you it becomes a problem in race and i've i've had that loads of times where even even with a set of headphones of the batteries run out and i've mm. been relying on the music to get me through and all of a sudden psychologically the, it's changed my mood and it becomes so much harder and doesn't you, it you fixate mm. or if you're pacing if you haven't got a fallback where you're thinking actually i know how to to judge my pace in the old school way, which is you know getting to a mile marker and looking to see how many minutes have gone by, you know you can become too reliant on it. I think so. It's yeah, there's a balance I think to be struck with all of this. There's other things that are, that are add-ons, and more and more watches are coming with these built-in music. Yeah. So a lot of them now will work with Spotify or Deezer, so you can or or store offline music on the watch, so you can pair a set of Bluetooth headphones and run without your phone. Do you do that? I don't. I always carry my phone. Right. I, I tend to. I, I just find it just as easy, actually. I, I know a lot of people don't like to. And 
it's sacrilege when you get up to the kind of the short shorts and vests end of running. <laughs> yeah. They will look at me with my belt on and my they, yeah, I don't fit into that crew. But... <laughs> what your shorts aren't short enough? My shorts are they're getting shorter, but they're not quite. They're, they're not, not quite, quite pants, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then you know beyond that, uh, smart notifications. You know you can hook it up to your phone and have your messages coming through. I, again, I personally, although I carry my phone, I'd rather not. When I run, I like to switch off. I'll use the tech to, to monitor my performance, but I don't want to know if my mum's calling me when I'm six miles into a, <laughs> into a threshold run or a fast run. You know, it's uh, so I just I like to use that time to shut down basically and pretend the world doesn't exist. That's actually a really good point because it depends whether you're just going to wear your watch for running yeah. or whether you're then going to wear it for the rest of the day. Because I'm so I'm so like you, like actually I don't want the smartphone notifications during a run or during a workout. Yeah. Like I don't need to know about that. It's time for me. But I might want them later on in the day. And you can, and most of the watches that carry it have a feature that you can toggle them on and off. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'd really, they don't do it yet, but I would really like it if they would. It's, it tends to be like an all or nothing, but actually, it would be useful to have some people. So let's say there's a couple of people you know. If it's an emergency, yeah, their number could come through, and they get get a bit more nuanced. And I would expect to see that sort of happening in the future. So it's some people can contact you and reach you, and, but not not everyone. Garmin, Polar, Fitbit. Do that. Do that. (laughs) (laughs) Garmin has long been hailed as the runner's go-to. And I, you know, I do see a lot, I do see other runners wearing other watches, but I feel like the most serious runners are wedded to their Garmin. Do you still think that they are the forerunner in the category or have you been persuaded by these other brands? I mean, Garmin are brilliant because they offer such a good range you know right. there's, there's everything from a, a very entry level cheap basic running watch right up to the the phoenix six which you know will track you running up everest that's the latest one right and that's the latest one that's just come out you know and that's got it's got all the features that you could ever really want um and they're they're brilliant at having that breadth and they're they are very reliable the gps is very reliable the data that they capture is 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 reliable, but there's interesting brands coming out. I mean, you know, Polar have got great watches as well, and there are things about Polar watches. There are some features that I think are better than some of the Garmin features. There are some features on Garmin that are better than Polar. There are new watches, new brands coming out. There's a brand called Coros, who have they've got a small range of watches, about five or six, but they're very very well priced, and they are really really easy smart to use. So there are competitors, you know, and if you know, Fitbit, Apple, Sunto. I think if you if you counted up the watches on the start line, Garmin would probably factor very highly. But look around, you know, because some of the other watches might do different things that are, that are better for you. Okay. What watch do you wear when you're not testing all the watches? Or are you always testing watches so you don't have a one go-to watch? Normally when I start a race, I'm wearing one and I will wear the Polar Vantage V which is, that's Polar's top-end watch at the moment. It's a multi-sport watch, really, so it's really good at uh, tracking swimming, uh, cycling, and, and other sports as well. But I like it mainly because it's got some really, really nice recovery features and and features that assess your the impact of your training. Okay. So if I do a, a run, it will tell me immediately afterwards what effect that run has had on on my fitness so whether or not I've managed to improve my aerobic fitness whether I've improved my threshold and it'll also let me over time track my progress see if I'm overtraining. so 
there's a there's a reading which tells you if you're detraining, if your training's being productive, if you're overreaching. So you, over time, you can see if you're stacking together too many runs right. at too high intensity that you're in danger of getting ill or injured. And that's a really nice guide to help you sort of manage the effort that you're putting in all your all your training it's funny isn't it because i always used to think that you got fitter during the workouts yeah but actually you get fitter during recovery yeah and so if you skip that recovery then you're not actually helping your fitness gains yeah and if you if you you know if you just keep layering on high intensity runs you know keep every run go out and and, and run really hard at some point you're going to break down so mm. this helps you see those mo- Actually, when those moments are when you might want to ease off, push, uh, you know, drop back a little bit, maybe even take a rest day or switch up a run that might be planned a hard run for an easy run. And then it will monitor that and it will monitor the effect of that after you've done it. And it will tell you, OK, now you're back in the green zone. So tomorrow you can you can push a bit harder again. Whilst we're on this topic of recovery, do you think sleep tracking on running watches is useful or do you think it's just another thing to stress about? I've just done a test, a bit of sort of experimentation on myself where I've been using the watches that I'm testing now and a sleep mat to track my sleep for a month. And oh God, it, your bedroom is so tech. I, and basically, <laughs> I'm like I'm like Tony Stark or whatever. I've got it's, but you know the thing that I found out actually is that a the two watches disagree with my sleep time. I've been asleep. They disagree with the different sleep stages, so you you can break it down into deep sleep, REM sleep. Uh, light sleep and time you've spent awake they disagree about that often they get it wrong so i'm um, i think it's use again it's useful as a guide but i wouldn't live by it it's a really good example when i'm really chilled on the sofa at half past nine both of the watchers have sort of then told me that i'm asleep i'm not i'm just really chilled on the sofa watching telly <laughs> you're just not running <laughs> but and I, I, phys- physiologically maybe I'm sort of in a sleep state. I don't know, <laughs> but I'm not asleep, you know, right. so it can be wrong. It'll over, it'll over report the, the sleep for that, but these things will get better for sure. And it's a good indication. You know, the, the one thing, if I had a tip to say about sleep tracking on a running watch, use it to, to try and pay more attention to when you go to bed and mm. fall asleep when you wake up and get up. As opposed to what happens in the middle of it. In or, the middle of it. Yeah. Yeah. And don't stress about it. Yeah, for sure. Cause it's probably not hundred percent accurate. We mentioned a little bit about the different data which you can get from a running watch. Um, and obviously there is different data on different watches. But what do you think it is important that runners really use to track? Is that splits? Is it just overall distance? Is it pace? I mean, I would keep it really simple initially as well. It's very easy to sort of, there's lots and lots of metrics. and It's very easy to get caught up in the really detailed ones. But particularly if you're just starting out, that can be a bit intimidating. And you... I would I would look at your pace in real time. I would particularly in the beginning of a run, so that you know that you're not going out too fast, which is a, a common mistake. It's a, it's really useful for sort of helping you avoid those common mistakes. Look at your heart rate again in in real time, and particularly pay attention to heart rate zones. Right. The five zones can help you run at the right intensity to get the, the effect that you're looking for. Again, particularly it can help you ease back more it's really it's it's really hard and it's actually really interesting when you go out and try and do an easy run when you're supposed to run under 120 uh, heartbeats per minute how slow that is 
it's really tough, isn't it? And even athletes find it tough because I was chatting to Laura Muir not that long ago and she was saying that actually she uses her watch mainly to track her heart rate on easy runs because she was like, even when I then come to a, a hill, if I don't slow down my pace, my run is no longer an easy run because I'm pushing my heart rate out of the easy zone. Yeah. Exactly. And it, it's so easy. You know, you, I think I tend to fall into like a natural rhythm where I've got a natural set pace, which is kind of a comfortable pace. And even then I think I'm running easy, I'm not. And if you look down at the watch, it's a, it's a good guide and a good indicator. The other thing I would say is, you know, you want to benchmark yourself. So one really useful thing to do with these metrics that you try, is go out and do a set loop, a mile, let's say, or, or two miles in the same place, same location, one month and do it again the next month look at your heart rate and your pace for that run and then just compare them month to month and that gives you a really good indication of how you're improving so don't try and run at a pace or run at a heart rate just just run it at yeah. what feels right yeah and or, or you can set it so you can set it at a distance or you can set it at a, at a time so you can say i'm going to run for 20 minutes but use the same in the same location so the conditions are the same so you're not switching in hills or more difficult terrain and then just benchmark those and, and see how you progress is a, is a really useful thing to do. The other thing I think actually a lot of people will get caught up with pace, but time when you're starting out, I think is a is possibly a better way to progress. So it's easier to add five minutes to a run than it is to add another mile. Mm. Perhaps if, you know, so you don't get caught up with, I must do five miles or I must do six. Actually, you can add little increments and grow your fitness more steadily. And you feel like you're, 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 getting more success that way i do remember in my first was it my first ever half marathon it was, it was a long time ago maybe like 10 years something and um i remember that day of just trying to get to running for an hour yeah and it was like the mental thing and so i actually wasn't i was doing that thing i wasn't tracking distance it was like just trying to get to running for an hour and then it was trying to get to running for an hour and a half yeah and then once i'd done that i started to look at how far i was going but the but it was you know, just time on feet and just get through it. and Yeah, and don't obsess. Yeah, there's no point obsessing about the pace. That will come if you're starting out. That's, mm. you know, it, it, that will evolve and you need to just build up your confidence. And I, I think it's a really useful thing just to add little, little chunks and take it one step at a time, you know. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. And for the kind of intermediate advanced runners which are listening in, is there a good metric which they can use to help progress their training? So there's heart rate again. Heart, fan- rate. heart rate is fantastic, but there's a new metric, which I guess if you're really into this, then there's a metric called power. Um, 
the Vantage V has running power on the wrist and you can buy a foot pod called Stride that measures running power. And its power is basically the the output of the work that you're doing. But it's more responsive than heart rate. It, it reacts in real time. So it, it gives you a number right. in, in watts to follow. And it will say, actually, right now I'm running at 250 watts. And what you can do is you can calculate, you know, your your required wattage to to run a certain distance at a certain pace, and stick to that. And it, what it what it can do is sort of limit you, and help you maintain a consistent effort. Right. Whereas heart rate, and this gets a little bit more complicated, but heart rate can respond to the heat. It can respond to when you hit hills. It can take a little bit of time to catch up with yeah. the work that you've done. Pace doesn't do well over hills because it's very hard to. You're working so much harder when you're trying to maintain a pace up a hill yeah whereas power you can just stay at that power and your effort has to change to maintain that power up the hill so and it's brilliant on on race day it's brilliant because you can say in order to run a a sub three marathon i know that my the, the power i need to run at is 350 watts and if i run at that power i've got the physical capability to maintain it for the All whole the distance through. so you keep a, you don't go too fast in the beginning when you get to a hill you'll ease off and it just helps you pace sensibly so it's a really it's a really interesting one to look at and i think we'll see that coming through more products in the future hmm, i'll look out for that it's one. quite technical though but it's <laughs> so all of these things are great but as you mentioned earlier on the tech is only good if it is working and sometimes the thing which stops it working is battery life yes yeah so you know that's the that's one it's no good if, it, if, if you've get there and your watch has, has died so there are a bunch of things that you can you do can't to give it like cpr yeah exactly there's no emergency you know no emergency switch but there's there are things that you can do to make your watch last longer so you can adjust a lot of the settings so look at switching off things like smart notifications switch off your bluetooth you can make sure that it's not connected to your phone you can many of the watches now come with different power saving modes right so you can change the the rate at which it hits the GPS satellite, which drains battery power, it becomes less accurate because you're only pulsing once every, you know, maybe five minutes or whatever it might be. So you, actually the GPS, there can be a trade-off for that. But if you're going to go and do an ultra or you're really desperate, you can change that so that you, you're not hitting the satellite so often. Um, the other thing is, you know, turn off the backlight. And those are the main things. Basically, just shut down a lot of the functions. If you don't really mind about heart, the optical heart rate sensor, most of them let you toggle that on and off as well. So if you're not bothered about heart rate data, you just want to see how far you've run, switch that off. But, you know, in all essence, mo- most of them will last easily last a marathon. Right. An average marathon time, I think, is around sort of five and a half hours. Most of them will go way beyond that. Um, but there are things that you can do. It's mainly just switching everything off. <laughs> <laughs> and learning how to do that. God, I'm so guilty of getting new tech, not reading any instructions, and then using twenty percent of it. <laughs> yeah, well, they, you know, and there's they should make it easy. That's my my challenge for these guys all the time is if you, I, I don't want to pull the manual out. I want to know how to, to switch all those things off just on the watch itself by playing with it. Um, it's it's not always the case, but it should be fairly simple. Okay, cool. We've talked a lot about running watches and data and all of that. Um, what I thought was interesting is earlier one that you mentioned about not being like becoming obsessed about your tech. Um, I remember reading about a runner called Camille Heron who stopped actually posting her runs on Strava earlier this year because she was absorbing so much feedback that actually when she went for a cortisol test, 
she had very high cortisol and they were like, you wow. need to not be so stressed. So she went back to using a pen and paper wow. to track everything. Yeah. Obviously, you're a guy with a lot of tech and you're data obsessed. How how do you as a runner manage your own consumption of it so that it doesn't just rule your life? And is there any advice you'd give to other runners? Do you know, what? I, even though I have a lot of data, I don't really, and I do sync it all into Strava, I don't really look at other people's runs. And okay. I think that's one of the, if I've got something specific, like I know I'm going to go and do the London Marathon, I can dive into Strava and I can see what the course is like. I can see how other people might have run it who are trying for my target, how they might have paced it and achieved what I want to achieve. But actually, I I don't tend to, I avoid that kind of comparison. I don't look at other people who are training in detail and think, oh, you know, someone's run faster than me for that or someone's said that I am not, I haven't done that right or right. have criticised my train. I try and sort of ignore all of that because you know, it's about you mm. um and i think you know I, I i like to build in runs where i run i call it running blind so i might just stick a sweatband over the watch face so oh you, cool so you're tracking but and it's there but you don't have to look at it and just building those it's, it's really important to be able to for those times that we talked about earlier where you might your watch might malfunction to be able to fall back on i know my body i know what yeah. it feels like to run a certain pace I can trust myself to run on feel. And all of the watch really should help you get to that place where actually if you took it off, you could still run a marathon at the right pace um, rather than really, you know, constantly being on the watch and obsessing about it. And there's a lot of research about whether or not if you're, if you look down and it says your heart rate's high, whether that inhibits your performance right? because you get this negative feedback. And then you're, you're like, my heart rate's high. I need it to be lower. And then you're just stressing about it. I'm running badly. You know, it's yeah. all going wrong. What's happening to me? And it might just be that the watch has had a, a spike or something. As they Sometimes they, that's the other thing, they will, in the beginning of a run, they tend to launch to 200 beats per minute whilst they settle down. So it might just be that. And, you know, you've just got to, again, it's just about having it as a guide rather than becoming too reliant on it. Okay. And I think, you know, if you're at the point where it's it's actually stressing you, that's not the point. For me, that's not really the point. That's not why I run. I run to be sort of free and feel good and and the data is there to sort of help me enjoy it not to make me feel bad about myself because there is that thing isn't there where you can basically have running imposter syndrome where you're like i'm not fit enough yeah to be in this running community but actually it doesn't matter what yeah. other people are doing it matters what you're doing and yeah your your goals are your goals and what's difficult for you is is different from what's difficult from someone else i like to kind of tell people that every goal is equal so somebody's mile is is, a, is an ultra to them, you know, getting up off the couch and, and just tapping out one mile is the same as someone else going and running 100 miles in 12 hours. It's mm. it's no different. And and yeah, you, so I think, you know, use your data for yourself and don't try not to compare too much. So I've got time to ask you two more questions, Kieran. You've mentioned Strava. Are you a big Strava advocate? As in, do you think everyone should be syncing up their fitness tech to Strava? And if so, why? In short, yes, mm. I, I love Strava. I mean, someone described to me like it's like the Switzerland of running tech because it's, it's <laughs> because it's neutral. You know, you, you can and if you if you change up your watch, you know, if you decide to go from a Polar to a Garmin, if you've got all your data synced to, to Strava, it becomes the aggregator. It's the one place that you can house all your information. That's so useful. You don't even have to go into it. You know, you don't have to actually go into the app, but having it syncing in the background means that if you ever need to, you've got all your data there in one place. Uh, and I, I. I quite like it. I don't. I don't. I'm not really very active within the community of Strava giving kudos, but yeah. I know a lot of people are. I think it's a positive thing to go out and give kudos to other people. Don't worry if you don't get too much back the other way. Um, and there are some nifty little tools in there. I think the 
we talked about the benchmark run. Mm. There's one feature that lets you compare runs that you've done on the same route uh, over time. So if you've done six runs around the same mile loop, it will show you the trend of whether or not you're improving. So it makes that benchmark running thing really easy to do. So it's neat. I, I think yes is the answer to it. Yes. Okay. My last question for you today. With Christmas on the horizon, what running tech do you think runners should be adding to their wish list to make their lives easier? Right, well, I've, I've kind of separated this out into sort of, I've got four quick things. So as a stocking filler, get yourself a flip belt on your list. Ooh. Flip belt is, is basically a really cool running belt that you can stash things in, turn it over and everything stays put. You can fit everything in there. It'll take about 12 gels of phone keys, all that. Brilliant. And it's nice and cheap, so that won't that'll be an easy one. Uh, there's a set of headphones that have come out there. True wireless, so there's no wires. They're just buds that pop in here called Jaybird Vista. Right. Um, they go for 16 hours, but the best bit is they charge for an hour in five minutes. Okay. So if they run out whilst you're procrastinating, you can put them onto charge and you'll get enough of most runs. They're very cool. And a Garmin 4 runner 945 or a Polar Vantage V if you're a serious runner or you're looking to buy a present for the really sort of serious runner in your life those are those are probably for me the best sort of top end watches um or if you're really really mega geeking the stride foot pod which is that power foot pod that i talked about and which also helps you with pacing and all sorts of other running metrics okay so all budgets covered yeah wow so we covered so much ground in our chat Guys, I hope you really enjoyed that from kind of getting to grips with your running watch, your fitness watch to understanding what the best metrics are to use on it. Um, Kieran has just given you his best advice. So thank you, Kieran. No worries. You're welcome. If people want to catch up with you without chasing you down the street by following you on Strava. (laughs) Please don't do that. (laughs) Yeah, guys, please don't do that. Um, Where's best? So they can find me on Instagram at manvmiles or manvmiles.co.uk is my blog um, and in many of the popular running publications out there. Amazing. And guys, if you do go to his Instagram, there is one post which I've got to say that you need to look at and that is Kieran and his son who did their first race together. So when you need to see something heartwarming. It was a special moment. It was really special. Yeah, it's great. Crossing the first line with him is is magic. That's my best. That's my favourite medal ever. Oh, what a great note to end on. Thank you. Hello, everybody. Congratulations on finishing your run. Thanks for joining me today. I'm Chris McGee here for your well chill stretch session. We're going to get straight into it. You can either be indoors or outdoors for this stretch, whichever is going to work for you. Of course, if you're outdoors, make sure that you're in a comfortable space where you're going to be able to put your knees on the ground. And if you're indoors, I recommend that you take off your shoes and your socks. We're going to get started standing, feet hip distance apart. Take a couple of nice big rolls of your shoulders. Maybe a little roll of your neck from side to side, just loosening off any tension of the upper body as we come into our breath. I don't want you to work on any specific yogic breath today. Instead, I'd just like you to think about some deeper belly breathing and just coming towards a balanced rhythm. So like a nice even inhale and exhale. It could be three seconds, four seconds, five seconds, whatever sits naturally with your body. As you feel the breath rise and fall through your belly, you're starting to slow down the rhythm of your heartbeat. And all of our stretches today are going to incorporate a little bit of dynamic movement to open up the body of the muscle and then settling into a more static pose. So really try and find exploration in the first part of the stretch and stillness in the second. Take a nice full inhale, reach your arms up overhead. 
Exhale, hinge and fold forward over your legs. You can bend your knees as much as you need when you get to that space. Allow your neck to relax. Reach across for opposite elbows and gently let the torso swing from side to side, creating a little bit of space through the back of your body, easing any pressure through the lower back. You can alternate a bend of your knees, a press through your heels to get into your hamstrings a little bit more. And then when you feel like you're in that comfortable space, just settle into a moment of stillness and breathe deeply. Notice the distribution of your weight. If you're sitting back slightly into your heels, maybe come forward a little bit into the balls of the toes, just adding an extra little bit of length through the back line. Take a nice full inhale. And exhale, relax your hands down to the ground. Bend your knees as much as you need. Place the hands on the floor. Step your left foot back into a lunge position. 90 degrees through your right leg, knee stacked above the ankle, thigh parallel to the floor. Come up to your fingertips, roll your shoulders away from your ears, create some space through the neck. As you inhale, start to straighten your right leg as best you can. And exhale, bend back into that lunge position, keeping the back leg as long as possible. Inhale, straightens the right leg. Exhale, bends into your lunge. Once more like that, inhale, lengthen your leg. Exhale, bend into your lunge. Take the left knee to the ground. Keep your left toes tucked underneath. And as you inhale, pull your hips back so they're stacked above your left knee. A nice flex of your right ankle. Your toes are pointing up to the sky. You're pressing your right heel gently into the floor. We work into the static part of our stretch. Maybe a gentle squeeze of your quad in order to create a little bit more space through your hamstring. And as much or as little flex in your ankle as you can in order to create some space through your calf. Think about your chest moving towards your toes, reaching towards the front side of your body and keeping that nice stack of the hips above the back knee so there's not too much effort or pressure on the sole of the back foot. A nice full inhale. A nice full exhale. A big inhale where you are. Exhale nice and slow, bend back into your lunge. Keep your left knee on the floor, untuck your toes. And as you inhale, reach your hands up to the sky. In this drop lunge position, try and keep some pressure in the top of your left foot and a gentle squeeze of your left glute. You're going to feel that active opening through your left hip flexor. Breathe deeply. If you want to increase the session a little further, just pull your belly button in and up. Imagine that you're getting one inch taller into the pose and that extra little bit of lift should create a little bit more space through the left hip. Take a nice full inhale. As you exhale, bring both hands back down to the floor. Left hand stays where it is on the inside of the right foot. Inhale, your right arm reaches up. We're twisting through our body. Feel the rotation happening through your thoracic spine level with your ribcage. Looking up towards your right thumb. We want to keep feeling that space through the front of the left hip, the left quad. If there's any tension there, of course, stay with it. Just breathe deeply. If you feel like you can go a little bit further today, start to squeeze your left heel up to your bum. Reach your right hand back and take a hold of the outside edge of your left foot. This twisted lizard position, creating space through the quad. If you feel like you can go further again, of course, start to bend through your right elbow, squeezing the heel in using the strength of your arm. If you feel like you have any extra tension in your upper body, you can always start to draw the heel away, creating a little bit more space through your chest, your shoulders. Take a nice deep inhale there. 
Exhale, slowly release. Take the hands and the feet to the floor. Tuck your back toes. Lift the left knee up off the ground. And begin to walk around to your left, coming into a wide leg straddle position. So the legs are like a big triangle and the upper body is hanging nice and heavy towards the ground. Now first to begin with, you're just going to take opposite elbows like we did at the start, swaying gently from side to side, using this as an opportunity to open up through the lower back, to open up through the back line of the legs. If it feels nicer, of course, you can add any little twists, any little movements. Again, just think about gently bringing the weight forward into the balls of your toes. After we played a little bit with exploration in the, in the posture, start to find stillness. Deep inhales. And deep exhales. Releasing your arms nice and heavy to the floor. As you inhale, come halfway up. Find a length through your spine. Your exhale walks around to find your left leg. So you're moving in the opposite direction to where you started. One hand on either side of your foot. Come up to the fingertips. Roll your shoulders away from your ears. Again, lengthening through your spine. Inhale starts to straighten your left leg as best as you can. And exhale slowly bends back into your lunge. Keeping the right leg as long as possible. Inhale lengthens the front leg. And exhale bending into your lunge. Once more, inhale lengthens the leg. And exhale bends. Control, bring your right knee to the ground. Keeping your right toes tucked. Inhale, pull your hips back. Stack them above your right knee. Flex your left ankle, toes up to the ceiling nice and strong. Feel the squeeze of your left quadricep, finding a bit more space in the hamstring. Gentle pressure of, through the left heel, a nice strong flex of the ankle to open up through the calf a little bit more. Notice if you're rounding your spine, maybe you want to try and find a little bit more length all the way up through the crown of your head, imagining your sternum, your chest bone moving towards your toes. Take a nice full inhale. A nice full exhale. Inhaling where we are. Exhale to slowly bend, come forward into your left leg. Right knee stays on the ground. Untuck your right toes. Inhale, reach both arms up to the sky. Feel the pressure through your back leg. So we're using a little bit of the strength through the top of the foot. The squeeze of the right glute in order to actively make space through the right hip flexor. Can you make yourself one inch taller? Is there a possibility to deepen the sensation of the pose either by deepening your breath or by drawing your belly button in and up as we lift? Take a nice full inhale. Exhale, take both hands down to the floor. Keeping the right hand grounded, inhale, reach your left arm up to the sky. Find that rotation through your thoracic spine. We're turning the right ribs towards the left leg. Gaze going up towards your left thumb. You want to feel the space being made through your right hip crease, your right quad. If there's any tension, don't push through that space. Just use your breath to go a little bit deeper. If you feel like you need a little more today, bring the right heel up to the bum. Reach the left hand back and take the outside edge of your right foot. Opening the chest to the sky. More again, you start to bend into the left elbow, squeezing the heel to the bum closer. Or that alternative stretch coming up through your chest, your shoulder, kicking the heel away from the bum slightly. Take a nice full inhale. 
exhale to release both hands and feet to the floor. Tucking your toes, picking your right knee up, step slowly back into a downward-facing dog. Hips coming up to the sky, chest pressing back towards the thighs. If you feel like you need to bend your knees, absolutely fine. This is not necessarily a pose solely about your hamstrings. I want you to think about creating openness through the whole back of your body. Deep full inhale. Deep full exhale. A nice big inhale where we are. Exhaling nice and slow. Take your knees to the ground. Sit your hips to your heels. Finding your child's pose. Arms can reach forward in front of you. Forehead releasing into the floor. Arms could reach back beside your feet if that feels a little nicer for your shoulders today. A big inhale. A big exhale. Nice and slow, start to release, let yourself roll up. Find a tall seated position and just continue with your deep breathing for a few moments. Just letting the body settle. Post run, post stretch. Digesting the sensations of what's just happened. Thank you so much for joining me for the stretch session today. If you're looking for me and you're based in London, you can come and find me at Cycle in Mortimer Street, where I'm the head of the yoga studio there. If you're looking for me online, the Instagram is Magizi, M-A-G-E-E-S-Y. And I also run workshops and trainings all around the world. You can find that information through my Instagram or on my website. Thanks so much for joining. team thank you so much for listening if you like this episode please do rate review and subscribe it really helps other runners in need of some help find the show and join our community too don't forget to use hashtag welfare on all your ig posts because i love seeing them thanks very much guys Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello HelloFresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs> 